Hola y bienvenidos a la Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Byrnes y presidente de la mejor cerveza. No abate por no filter network. Will the Thrill Clark not with us today. He will be with us tomorrow evening though. And then Kowalski, well, we have no idea where Miguelito San Dieguito is. But he did FaceTime me at 5.30 in the morning with and Almondova. So love to see the boys getting up early and getting after it. On that note, we properly salute my dudes with the Hunter Pants fingers. That's right. My kid's called Hunter Pants, not Hunter Pants. Yes, 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 yes. Remember this, folks? When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. A very pleasant good morning to you on the 12th day of February 2024. Our title sponsor is Bet Online. They continue to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs including pro and college hoops throughout the year with up to the minute odds, stats, and trends. You can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting. I like that. Contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use the promo code believe capital b l e a v for your 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts let's not forget kt tape as well that's right the promo code should be not the promo code, but the QR code should be in my upper left-hand corner. Your guys' right-hand corner. And the science on this is simple. Put the tape on, lifts the skin, promotes blood flow to the area, decreases inflammation, alleviates pain. KT tape, deflaming muscles since its creation. And once again, we salute. Our guy, Jory, over at TriVerge.com. This is cannabis, lemon, honey, ginger, just fucking deliciousness in a bottle. And let's shake it up. A little cheers to all of you. Mm. If you're looking for sustained energy, not that real quick shot of caffeine and sugar or whatever else bullshit. It's not sustainable. If you're looking for something that'll give you a nice steady plateau of goodness through the course of the day, go to tryverge.com. He has little pill things you could take too. I've tried them. Not bad. I really, really, really like these though. It's just the way it makes me feel, the way it feels on the throat, all of the above. And then lastly, let's not forget, 
This book right here, the Let Them Play Parenting and Coaching Guide to Youth Sports, which is now available at ericburns.com. I went on Amazon, and apparently they're out already. I couldn't believe it. So if you want to get the book, go to ericburns.com. I'll let you know when they're available again on Amazon. And if you're looking for any inspiration, uh, John Gall, USA Baseball president, says this should be required reading for every travel baseball coach in America. The beauty of the LTP philosophy is he trusts freedom and respect. The coach and parents are required to give the child a simple yet transcendent guide for today's world. Let them play a parenting and coaching guide to youth sports. All right, before we get into the Super Bowl, Let's hit the day 12 challenge for the Daily Hustle 22 day challenge. The electronic email communication reads, a very pleasant good morning to you, and what a fucking game last night. I realize Niner fans are disappointed, but the effort that was put forth was tremendous, and I've got to believe this squad, or a resemblance of it, will eventually have its day in the Super Bowl winning sun. Regardless, it's now officially pickleball and baseball season. So let's get our shit together and charge on. As the great Taylor Swift would suggest, shake it off. Daily Hustle Challenge quote of the day. I like to see a man proud of the place in which he lives. I like to see a man live so that his place will be proud of him. Abraham Lincoln. Daily Hustle Day 12 Challenge. Considering today is Abraham Lincoln's 215th birthday, let's honor him by performing an act of community that would make the place we live proud of Abe's words and our act. On that note, grab a trash bag, head out for a walk or run, and don't come back until the bag is full. Benefits of community service include improving the lives of Others while building social relations, empathy, and humility. Daily Hustle 22-Day Challenge Checklist. Wakey, wakey. Our early gratitudes. Footboard. Miles. Community service. EB. P.S. Pick up the brand new LTP book by clicking pick below and blue link to join. This morning's Daily Hustle recapping yesterday's wild Super Bowl ride. All right, so the best and worst of Super Bowl 58, some free-flowing thoughts before we get into the articles. Basically, that was one of the better Super Bowls that I've ever watched, and I'd have to go back and start thinking about a lot of them or whatever. I mean, one of the big ones that comes up is that Patriots one that went into overtime against the Falcons in which they ended up prevailing. But there's so so many good ones through the course of the years. I'm a Niner fan, obviously, was rooting for them. But if you can't appreciate Patrick Mahomes and what he was able to pull off, you're not a sports fan. I had to explain that to my kid last night because 
you know, Biscuit's a big Bills fan, and uh, you know, like me, he's gonna root for the Niners. But he was very anti-Mahomes. And I go, dude, sometimes you just have to sit back and appreciate a performance that is legendary, that really transcends you as a fan from just rooting for your team. And it essentially goes to an appreciation of greatness. What Patrick Mahomes did yesterday was simply fucking greatness. He took the ball in OT, put his team on his back, and said, let's go win this bitch. And sure as shit, they did. Now, back-to-back Super Bowl champions. A lot of talk about the three-peat at this point. A lot of talk about Mahomes and what he was talking about when it came to Dynasty and we're not done yet. That's what the greats do. They're never satisfied. Yes, this was a notch in the belt. Yes, this was a feather in the cap. But they're already thinking about the next one. There were so many things happening on that Chiefs sideline that I was trying to figure out if it was dysfunction or it was actually how you win a championship because there's that many different dudes on your team that give a shit. That many different guys that basically say, I'm the fucking man. I'm going to be a leader. Well, none more so than obviously Mahomes is a quarterback. But Travis Kelsey is right up there. And the temper tantrum that he threw by getting in Andy Reid's face because he wasn't in the game when Pacheco fumbled was <sighs> fucking awesome. Now, here's the problem. The outside world is going to see that and immediately think to themselves, wow, how disrespectful. That's bullshit. How could you ever do that to your coach? Yada, yada, yada. Well, people in the inside world who know Travis Kelsey, who know his passion, who know his energy, who know the effort that he puts forth on each, each play, this dude's a competitor. And he wanted to be out there. Why? Not to get the fucking ball. He wanted to be out there because he wanted to block. And it was Gray who missed the block that ended up causing the fumble. That's why he was pissed. He said, don't take me out of the game. Now, logically speaking, if you're Andy Reid, the reason why you would want Kelsey out of the game in those blocking scenarios is because he's your best pass receiver. So do I really want to wear him out on every single run block? Well, in a normal game, the answer to that would be no. Absolutely not. I do not want to wear him out one bit. But in the Super Bowl, I'm with Kelsey. Leave him in the fucking game. I really also feel like it looked way worse than it was because Andy Reid's sitting here just reading his play sheet and doing what Andy Reid does. And then, boom, he almost knocks him down. 
So more than anything, it was Travis getting excited. It was somebody that has found this new level of fame, but the outside world is going to try to perceive his actions as, oh, he thinks he's bigger than the coach. He thinks he's bigger than the game. I can tell you, I don't think that's the case. And I may be wrong in all this, but Travis Kelsey has always done Travis Kelsey. And whether he's dating Taylor Swift or not, that was a huge moment. And you know what that told me? That he cares about the fucking game. He cares about winning. He cares about his teammates. Listen to all the quotes. He talks about being excited to show up at the Chiefs facility each and every single day. So the outside world, those who do not understand, are going to completely bury him for the bump or whatever you want to call it. But the guy who really knows is Andy Reid. And listening to Andy Reid's comments about it, he was laughing and joking like, hey, that's Travis. And, you know, it was a bit of a cheap shot because I wasn't ready for it. I, that's That says it all. It really does. I do think there's a delicate balance of having that chaos on the sideline because there was a lot of guys and emotions, and everything else. And if it didn't work out for him, the chiefs would have gotten fucking buried. Travis would have worn it, worn it this morning for that. Think about it. I mean, all it took was one fourth down stop, one fourth down stop by the 49ers to end it. That's it. Fourth and one. You had Patrick Mahomes running out to the right. He had the option of Kelsey or him. He keeps it himself. Ends up running for X amount of yards. It's just, it was too easy. When they moved, the, when they had to move the football, they moved the football. That was the problem for the 49ers. They couldn't stop them when they needed to. They got stops, sure. Now, when it comes to overtime, and what went down with the coin flip? Look, the overtime playoff rules should have been well explained to both teams. Kyle Shanahan, whether or not he perfectly conveyed the rules to his team, is up for debate. I don't know. A couple of the Niners players are saying, no, we didn't know the rules. Well, guess what? Who cares? You learned them right there. Kyle Shanahan, on the other hand, did know the rules. And he did know that by receiving the football, no matter what, he was going to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. So the argument then becomes, was it better to take the football first, knowing that even if you scored a touchdown, the game would not be over? I don't know the answer to that because what happened was that the Niners scored a field goal. So that then allowed Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to meticulously plan their drives knowing 
that they had four downs the whole way until you got in field goal territory. If you got in field goal territory and you had to kick the field goal, great. So this was Kyle Shanahan's thinking, and I read a quote on it, was that he felt like by receiving the football, and let's say they go down and score a field goal, and then the Chiefs come down and score a field goal. Well, now the Niners get that third possession. They score a field goal, ball game. I'm with Shanahan, 1,000%. That's exactly what I would want. Now, you put the ball in our offense's hands. I have the utmost confidence, and I would play for such too. Like, I'm not punting the fucking football. But I would have the utmost confidence that we're at least going to get a field goal, which they did. Well, after that, I have to have the utmost confidence that our defense is not going to let them score a fucking touchdown. You got to believe in your defense that they can keep them out of the end zone. They keep them out of the end zone. Now, how does it look? You're Shanahan. You're getting the ball back on that third possession, and all you need is a field goal to win. That's the move. It 1000% is the move. It didn't work out. So now you have. 10,000 different people or 10 million different people questioning whether or not Shanahan should have accepted the ball. The clock thing in overtime was fucking confusing. I did not understand it. As the clock was ticking down, I was not aware that if that thing hit 0 I thought it was over. Niners had their possession. Chiefs had their possession. So I'm sitting here watching this, and I knew something had to be amiss here because in a normal overtime game, the clock goes down to zero in overtime, and it's over. Well, I didn't realize this is just going to be a running clock. I mean, really, the clock was obsolete. The clock didn't even fucking matter. Why didn't we even have the clock up? Other than a play clock, you should, and this is a recommendation of the NFL, they shut off the clock. The clock doesn't mean anything. It confused some people. It confused me. And again, like I wasn't sure. And I just had a lot of questions as this whole thing was going down. So uh, what a game. I mean, I disappointing for the Niners. I get it. But... Ultimately, the NFL won. This was exactly what they were looking for. And I don't need to hear the conspiracy theorists about how it was staged and everything else. It wasn't. That was a very clean football game start to finish. Uh, Pacheco fumbled. Christian McCaffrey fumbled. Didn't expect that. I thought McCaffrey played great. I thought he busted his fucking ass start to finish. Brock Purdy was put in some uncomfortable spots through the course of the game, including that last third and four. Uh, he had Chris Jones in his face. Just, it's the pressure, man. If you can pressure these good quarterbacks, that's where it really gets you. And I, all the critics are coming out and probably game manager. Just shut the fuck up. 
I, I, I don't even want to hear it. I have the utmost confidence in Brock Purdy. Have the utmost confidence in everything. I mean, how about Debo Samuel? I mean, this guy's got a broken shoulder. This guy's got a torn hamstring. And he's out there doing absolutely everything he can do. George Kittle, I, this was a big play. He ended up going to the locker room. It's something going on. I don't know exactly what it was, but he goes to the locker room and while out number nine, I don't even know his name had a huge holding call against him. So let's go over some of the best and worst from the Super Bowl. The Chiefs became the first team to win back to back Super Bowls in 19 years. Patrick Mahomes advanced his case as the greatest quarterback of all time. The heir apparent to Tom Brady as he became at 28 years old, just the third quarterback in NFL history to win his third Super Bowl before the age of 30. Yes, everyone chill the fuck out, though, with the all-time greatest quarterbacks. He's up there for sure. But I don't need to hear that he's the greatest quarterback of all time when you have Tom Brady with seven. Count them. Seven. Fucking rings. Not three. Patrick Mahomes has three. Tom Brady has seven. Like it or not, that is how we ultimately judge quarterbacks. He's well on his way. He's ahead of Brady's pace. I talked about it yesterday in the Super Bowl preview show. But he is not there. And to tell you the truth, he's not even close. So we will see. I love his attitude. I love Mahomes. He's one of my favorite athletes. I would say all time. I mean, it's an aggressive statement, but of this generation, he's no bitch. Uh, he's it's not a he's not a pussy. This guy is living for the moment, and I got a shit ton of respect for him. As a matter of fact, I'll root for him. I'm not going to root for him over the Niners, and I'm not going to root for him over the Bills, which are you know they're my teams. But other than that, he's an easy guy to root for. He's got that Kermit the Frog voice as a former baseball player. Extensively went into that yesterday. And to watch him and Purdy yesterday and their movements and the way we talked about the movements of a middle infielder, it's just, it was cool. It's cool to watch. And athletes are athletes. So, uh, anyhow. All right. Uh, number two here, the best storybook ending. This is what they're calling. This is a Washington Post article. Travis Kelsey delivered a solid Super Bowl performance. He had nine catches for 93 yards including a key reception on the game time drive at the end of regulation. He played a key decoy role on the winning pass play to McCole Hardman after the game, as the confetti fell, he led the crowd in one of his favorite songs. You got to fight for the right to party. All of it though, was a prologue, at least for most Americans to the championship ceiling kiss between Kelsey and Taylor Swift on the Allegiant Stadium field. The two stars surrounded by hordes of cameras. That woman is damn near in tears, said Nate Burleson, CBS broadcast. Travis is emotional. That's real love. That's what you can get when you have the support of a woman behind you. That's kind of cool. All right. So why does this work? Why... About five months ago, did we come on here and say, 
This is the love story that America needs. Taylor Swift is as all-American of a girl as you can find. She is the biggest pop star of our generation. Michael Jackson's the only other one that I could think that reached those level of curating, let's call it. But regardless, she had her music, whether it was bought, stolen, I, I don't know the intricacies behind it. But I do know that she had the opportunity to recreate all her music. And she had to change like a line here, a line there, but it allowed her to own her fucking music. Well, she does. And then she re-releases all these albums and has been absolutely killing it. Well, in the meantime, she's also a regular girl, woman. And she just seems like such. And you have Travis Kelsey, who is a fucking regular guy. I could speak to that because I've hung out with this dude before and party with this dude before. And he's just a dude. And so you have this international pop star. You have this. Huh, I and I even want to, I don't know where Kelsey in the whole popularity thing before this, Travis Kelsey's been one of the greatest tight ends to ever live. Like we he was already in that conversation and still is in that conversation. It's him and Gronk. Those are the two best that I've ever seen. And then you had, I mean, I, I want to give some love to like a Brent Jones, right? People that paved the way. Now, they weren't the total, pa- he wasn't the total package as, as these other guys, but Brent Jones paved the way as being this pass-catching tight end. And then it was Tony Gonzalez right along the same lines. Hall of Famer, obviously, but along the same lines of Kelsey and Gronk. And those guys are the, the creme de la creme. But Kelsey was a fucking dude, man. Like a, a dude. But Usually, as in Tom Brady and Giselle, you get the superstar model with the superstar quarterback, and it just is what it is, or it is what it isn't. And then you have a tight end. I don't know. It just seems so right. But last night, when I was watching Taylor Swift, Slam a fucky drink up in her suite. That's when I got teary-eyed. That's when I said, you know what? This is exactly why we came on No Filter Network and said, this is a love story America needs. Because she doesn't give a fuck. And how that is possible, I don't know. She has so much pressure on her, so many eyeballs on her and people are waiting to see who she's going to endorse for president in 2024 and it goes on and on and on yet you know what she's doing she's living her life in the present moment you know what travis kelsey was doing when he bumped andy reed in this emotional state of rage because he wasn't there in the game for his teammates he was living in the moment and then you watch kelsey up on stage once again, not giving a fuck, singing Viva Las Vegas. And you got to fight for your right to party. 
They showed Taylor sitting there. Just she had that nice little cute smirk on her face. And that was it. And then he comes off the stage. And then he comes down. He gives her the big gun. He gives her a big kiss. But none of it is contrived. It's just fucking real. And you can feel the realness. That's why this hits home. That's for all of us. And sure, the haters are going to be there. The haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Shake it off. Shake it off. Because they don't care. They're used to it. So, uh, concluding with that, they end up in the club at the after party. And, oh, I just... I don't know where this goes, and, and it might end in the next couple of months. Who knows? But I think all of us are going to look back on this, and in a lot of ways, this is Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe, but by all accounts, that was a relatively dysfunctional relationship. Uh, this isn't. This seems to be what we think it is now is there a guarantee that this is it is there a guarantee they get married and right off the sunset no i like travis is a fucking wild dude i think taylor has enough of that wild side in her though to be able to keep it together and ultimately i don't want to look in the past i don't care to look too far ahead in the future but for right now, for this moment, there's a reason why Taylor Swift was just as big of a story as a Super Bowl. There's a reason why Roger Goodell was in that suite. There are, her parents were there. I mean, again, like she started her roots are country music. It just seemed to be one of these things where it's unifying these A-list people who have been held on such a high pedestal that it fucks them up mentally. It really does. And then you have like the rest of the world, which is the, the Kelsey's, whether it's Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey or whatever else. So I'm all about it. I really am. I, I it, it made me a bigger Taylor Swift fan. It's made me, I've always been a big Travis Kelsey fan since we were knocking back bottles of tequila at the Maya day club back in the day. So I, I it's, you know, I my thoughts on him are are the same. I do think that, you know, if I'm like, if I'm Jason, right, Travis's older brother, I'd be, dude, like, I get it, bro. You can't check. Can't you fucking check Andy Reid, dude? Like, you're going to hurt him. Like, that's more than anything. Like, I don't want to change your emotion. I want you telling Andy Reid you want to be in the fucking game. I just don't need you coming at him so aggressive. And that was the only thing where I think, he went wrong. Okay, speaking of criticism, Tony Romo has gotten blasted for his commentary and specifically for his commentary at the end of the game on the game-winning touchdown throw by Patrick Mahomes. He did lay out for a quick second. Nance was able to make the call. And then naturally... Romo went into doing what Romo does and he was analyzing the play. And well, look, when you hired Tony Romo five years ago and you put,
put him in the broadcast booth. You know what you're fucking getting. This has been the same Tony Romo for five years. The same reason why Stephen A. Smith called him the greatest analyst of all time is the same reason why Tony Romo was just being Tony Romo yesterday. Does he say Jim every fucking time he speaks? Yeah, but he's trying to make it personal. And that's just him. And that's how he talks. It is how he analyzes. So those who are extremely critical of Tony Romo, of course you have your right to be critical. And yes, he could have or should have laid out in that time. And then there would be plenty of time to analyze it later. But you wanted to feel the moment. I don't know. You know what Travis Kelsey did during that fucking moment? He watched the final play on the big screen. He was a decoy that goes out. He's looking up on the big board. And that's when he saw the catch made. It's incredible. Go back and watch it. But everyone has their own way of doing their thing. And if you've listed a Romo over the past five years, he has moments of brilliance. And that's why he's there. And that's why he gets paid $17 million a year. So don't all of a sudden, when he wants to analyze in the sports biggest game, come back and say, oh, I just want him to shut up. You weren't saying that when he's calling fucking plays, uh, you know, back in the day saying, oh, this is X right, 45. You know, you got the motion here, Jim. You got this, you got that. You know, he's reading He's reading the safety. He looks him off. I, he knows football. He knows it better than we all do. Let him fucking analyze. Or don't put him there if you're CBS. So I don't want to hear anybody, anybody bitch about that. And then on top of that, look, as a broadcaster myself, If you don't want to listen to the fucking announcers, you don't have to listen to the announcers. Turn the volume off. Turn the radio on. Whatever. I mean, at most parties, and Super Bowls are typically big parties, right? The volume's on, but no one can hear what the fuck they're saying anyway. So, just say, look, get over yourselves. Get over the fact that we think that we have to critique Absolutely everything in life. And I'll take a moment here right now to give some love to Henry Markin because the impressions that he has been pulling off of Chris Collinsworth and Tony Romo are fucking fantastic. For a 23-year-old kid to be able to replicate that, Henry, honestly, some of your better work. And I... I have looked at the social media stuff and I, I, whether it's done great or it hasn't, I don't know. I just, I don't even give a shit. It doesn't matter to me. It was, it was the impressions were fantastic. So I know Henry was in Vegas. I'd love to catch up with him to see how the weekend went. I do not think actually, I'm pretty sure I know uh, he would not go to the game figuring it'd be like three X, four X, his monthly salary just to get in there. But I do think he was rocking and rolling. Okay, it says, worst storybook end here. As Cal Shanahan detailed, his sideline decision, San Francisco's 25-22 loss to Kansas City Chiefs, the 
play of his quarterback, the mistakes, the big plays, and everything in between, a voice on the loudspeaker drowned him out to announce the arrival of Mercole Hardman, recipient of the Chiefs' game-winning touchdown pass into the press area, as if the 49ers coach needed another reminder, another twist of the knife. Quote, I don't care how you lose when you lose Super Bowls, especially ones you think you can pull off. It hurts, Shanahan said. When you're in the NFL, I think every time, excuse me, I think every team should hurt, except for the one at the end. We've come pretty damn close, but we haven't pulled it off. So this is his third Super Bowl defeat. He was a coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons in the overtime victory that Tom Brady put on their ass. And then he uh, lost to the Chiefs a couple years ago, and now the Chiefs again. The only critique that I would have is there was at one point the 49ers had run six plays in the second half, and all six were pass plays. You, it was it was obvious that two things that the Chiefs did really, really, really well. They pressured the quarterback, and their cornerbacks were fucking badass. They're the best of the best. You weren't winning that game. So in order to try to open up that game and take advantage of a lapse, you got to run the football. Well, they got back to running the football. Things got a little bit better, but ultimately they surrendered the game. Uh, Number four here, best sweaty workout. Huh? It should hurt your brain to be reminded that Swiss relationship with Kelsey has only lasted five short months considering all the ways in which this omni romance seems to have damaged everyone else's, especially the tiny decimated brains of right-wing media personalities who believe that a bland crossing of celebrity stars is in fact a sinister plot hatched deep into the Pentagon. For Usher, the perversity of circumstances transformed his halftime task into something beyond formidable without appearing to affirm the whiny grunting of assorted high-profile MAGA zombies. He needed to make society forget that he was the second most famous singer in the building. So he did it by confirming he was the best. Huh. His voice seemingly made out of elastic silk smoke sunshine. You had to listen for it, though. The halftime show was a blitz of retinal maximal maximalism with a meticulous protagonist at its center singing and dancing with extratitude and purpose working hard to cram more than a dozen songs into as many minutes if you were keeping a tally the message was clear usher has hits i get it look i thought it was really impressive from a personal standpoint of hey was that the greatest halftime show? No, not even not even close. But it, it's kind of like when I watch a hockey game. I have so much respect for hockey players. Do I think it's the most entertaining thing in the world? No, as a matter of fact, I don't. If I watch soccer, same thing. It's the most entertaining in the world? Not even close. I'd rather watch hockey. But I have a tremendous amount of respect for the skills of a hockey player, for a soccer player. I go on and on and on. I had a tremendous amount of respect for, for Usher. What he was doing with the dancing and the singing and just fucking drilling it. Yeah. 
the, the fact that they were so in sync in so many different areas, I thought it was really cool. Was it the greatest halftime show ever? No. Though 2022, I believe, which is the one in Los Angeles, when uh, you, you had all of the stars come out, that was it. I mean, that, that was that was one. But overall, it was fun. It was fun. I'm not going to go crazy on it. I'm not going to. I've already talked about it too long. But it's, it was good. Tons of respect. All right, number five, best Boston energy. Okay, this was the best commercial by far and away. Here we go. At this point, we won't be surprised to learn that Dunkin' Ice Coffee courses through Ben Affleck's veins. The actor is constantly photographed with his favorite drink and previously appeared in commercials for the coffee shop chain. In this one, he forms a boy band called the Dunkings with fellow Boston celebrities Matt Damon and Tom Brady. They embarrass themselves in front of Affleck's wife, actress-singer Jennifer Lopez. Damon references his and Affleck's Oscar-winning film, Goodwill Hunting, by asking Lopez, how do you like them? Donuts. I'm so sorry. It turns out she doesn't like them at all. But we're suckers for a silly Benefer moment. I loved it. I really, really loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was the best commercial. By far and away. I it just stopped I mean, all the other ones. It's yeah, nah, 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 nah. This was that blew it out of the water. Now, look, love Goodwill Hunting, love Aflac, love Matt Damon, love Brady. So I'm obviously extremely biased in this, but they killed it. All right. Six best album promo. Is that Beyonce? It is, in fact, one of the biggest stars on the planet appears in a Verizon commercial alongside actor Tony Hale, who helps test whether she can break the internet. She runs for office, specifically BOTUS. I like that. Which stands for Beyonce of the United States. Dresses like Barbie, Barbe, and even performs in space. The internet goes nuts. What can't she do? The network is... Crazy powerful. I bet you can't break that, Hill says. A reminder that this is technically an ad for an internet service provider. But I can, the singer responds. What? Why? How? It all made more sense within minutes when Beyonce dropped two new singles and announced she would be dropping her new album, Act 2, on March 29th. Sorry to Verizon, who probably won't be converting too many customers right now, but congrats to the Bayhive, who had as good as a night as the Chiefs supporting Swifties. All right, number seven here. Best or worst outfits? You be the judge. Before the game started, Chiefs and 49ers entered Allegiant Stadium showing off their style. Some of the Mahomes, some like Mahomes went all business in suits. Other like Kelsey and Chase Young showed a little more flair. I don't know. They have a picture of Kelsey and some Sick glittery jacket. I like that. Worst commentary. Here we go again. Super Bowl 58 hung in the balance in overtime. And if any game called for a simple do you believe in miracles moment, it was the longest game in Super Bowl history. Yet, CBS's Jim Nance and Tony Romo, normally so seamlessly coordinated, struggled in the biggest moment of the Kansas City Chiefs winning drive. As the clock was winding down in overtime, Romo explained that the Chiefs down by three points inside the five-yard line. Time did not matter because the game would not end under the postseason 
only rules that were changed in 2022. The game would, he noted, just roll into the second OT period. So here I was, and our party wasn't big. I mean, we had maybe 10 people. And all I heard Romo saying is about the game ending. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Why aren't the Chiefs calling a timeout? So I still was very confused in that situation, but that was something that needed to be explained. And apparently he properly explained it. This is an important point about the unusual situation and new postseason rules, but Romo kept talking. And Nance, the play-by-play man, who has made a career coming up with the right words at the right time, had no entry point for setting up the final play as Patrick Mahomes was finding Merkel Hardman in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. Nance could only say, first and goal, Mahomes flings it. It's there. Hardman, jackpot, Kansas City. That's enough. What else does he have to fucking say? That's enough. Uh, wait, what, do you believe in miracles? It wasn't a fucking miracle. Us. Look, broadcasting has changed. That's the reason why we created No Filter Network. And look, we, we get our shit together. Like our whole concept and idea of No Filter Network, the OG shit, is content creation alternative broadcast platform. That's it. That's why we built this. So as of now, we raised our money. We built the platform. We've done alternative broadcasts. I mean, I think the biggest show we ever had here was Will Clark and I during the National League Championship uh, Series. It was actually between the Dodgers. It was a divisional series between the Dodgers and the Giants. And we sat here and called the whole fucking game. I should have had a mic on me last night. I should have done a Super Bowl. Seriously, not, not that it's my thing. I'd rather have two football guys doing it and sitting there watching it together. But that's the beauty of the way shit structure these days is you don't have to. So as we continue to build out this business and do a nice little raise and get the right people in place, we'll have a whole team of fucking alternative broadcasters. That's it. That's what we have to do. I mean, then that solves the problem. But these two... They're great. They're great. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it, I think Roma's an acquired taste. But so what? That's his style. That's who he's always been. Doesn't bother me one bit. Okay, the worst interp- in the worst interruption, it says here. CBS per a policy long held by broadcast networks did not show a partial streaker. As Jim Nance put it during the third quarter, footage from the stadium was shared online, though. Look, if you're going to streak the Super Bowl and you got the balls to run onto the field, you got to show the balls. You can't streak the Super Bowl half naked. If you're a streaker, you're a streaker. If that's your thing and you're going to risk going to jail and all the other shit, fine. But guess what? You might as well go in all your glory. I shouldn't say that, though, because then all of a sudden, I think that does that change the penalty to indecent exposure? Because if you're if you if you have you're covering your private parts, I mean, you're just streaking. It's just trespassing. But as soon as you completely peel off, I don't know where I stand on it. I think they should show them. though. I'd be entertaining, especially if they're partially clothed. All right. The best bets is number 10. The over under total closed at forty seven point five. 
Uh, though it was at 47 for much of the run-up to the game, if you had 47, you push in, got your money back. It would be the first push in the total in a Super Bowl history. <coughs> Betters who had 47 and a half saw the under hit after the Chiefs scored a touchdown in overtime, but did not need to attempt the extra point. Oh, that was so huge. If we're going with the 47.5 as the total unders are now 29 and 28 in Super Bowl history. So I love the under Giuseppe Pepe Manuelli and I and Johnny Meatballs. We talked about it. We all like the under, but I didn't want to play the under. I'm just like, I have no interest in playing the under. And sure enough, we didn't play the under. We played the over on the teaser with the Niners and it ended up coming back beautifully but sure enough it the, the under was right playing that game i i know there's 25 points in the second half but start to finish the under was definitely the right side of that bet and it says overtime here the super bowl went into overtime for only the second time before the game westgate put up the odds i'm sure bet online had their odds too of the game going to overtime plus 900 yeah all the overtime bets that I saw were in that plus 900 to plus 1200 range. They were talking about it on ESPN radio the other day. And there were two hosts that were going back and forth about these prop bets. Well, one of the hosts is like, look, you have the Niners and the Chiefs, and you know it's going to be a close game. The point spread says it's going to be a close game. It's one and a half, two. Who's to think that this game won't go to overtime? Like, wouldn't that make a lot of sense? Well, the other radio host at ESPN says, this game's not going to overtime. There's only been one overtime game in 57 Super Bowls. What makes you think this would possibly go to overtime? And once again, the other guy explained it very meticulously. Two teams, very equal, high likelihood of the drama unfolding. And what's more drama than overtime? So I love to see what that conversation looks like this morning because when i heard that bet i thought to myself i need to lay that fucking action i like that that's a that's a great great bet i mean just put 100 bucks on it right be 1200 richer depending on where you put that money okay the prop bet that we did the video on yesterday and sent out a couple hours before the game was the easiest money in the history of sports gambling Period. It just was. So that what the whole concept and idea of showing Taylor Swift from the beginning. Think about this. CBS is going to go into the game if you're in that production booth. And I and I've been in there before. I've been in the booth. I've been in the truck. You have the meetings. And I know what was said. It's hey, let's not overkill it. Right? Like, we can't be cutting every other shot into Taylor Sweet. And I know also how they came up with the number. They go back, they look at previous games, they're like, oh, well, they showed her three times this game, and they showed her five times this game. And you know what? Let's go. Let's, we, we think four is the right number, but let's bump it up a half because most people are probably going to bet over right here. And sure, makes sense, right? Wrong! No fucking chance! This is a Super Bowl! On top of the games just being longer and more 
drawn out. I mean, this is what the seven longest game in the history of the NFL. This is the world's biggest star on the world's biggest stage. And you're telling me you're going to try to fucking ignore her? No chance. And it worked out because Kelsey had nine catches. He had 90 yards. The Chiefs went on to win. Look, I don't care if the Chiefs got fucking obliterated. It wouldn't matter. They still were going to show Taylor Swift and her cronies up there in the booth. And for good reason. Why? Because America wanted to see her. She had that sexy black top on. She had the Chiefs jacket on. She had it all. She did it all. Ah, I just, I, I just, I can't believe that number wasn't higher. It should, it should have been. Whatever the average was of the 12 games that she's been at. So let's just say the average was four. If the average was four, they should have almost fucking doubled it. They should have said seven and a half. And I don't know what it ended up being. And I also don't know technically what the rules were. Was it from the time the game started to the time the game ended? Did halftime count? Like all of the above. But let's just say even from the time it started to the time it ended. Unquestionably, there were at least seven or eight. At least. And maybe more than that. So that bet was just absolute money. All right. Jeez, uh, I feel like I've been talking for a really long time. Two things that I wanted to get into. Number one here, Deshaun Foster was named the UCLA head football coach. This is a all-time UCLA legend, a Hall of Famer, uh, had a terrific career in the NFL, mainly playing for the Carolina Panthers. So here we go. UCLA hired former star player and longtime assistant coach Deshaun Foster as the school's next head coach on Monday. Foster, who had taken a job as a Las Vegas Raiders running back coach earlier this month, is in the UCLA Hall of Fame as a player, served 10 years in various roles at the school and played seven seasons in the NFL. Seven seasons. Jeez, it feels like he was there for at least a decade. He emerged among a pool of 11 candidates interviewed by UCLA, many of whom were sitting head coaches. Foster impressed the UCLA brass with his ability to lead and command a room. Per sources, school officials believe Foster can resonate in the Los Angeles market and emphasize recruiting and fundraising. Part of the paradigm shift college football is undergoing in the era of name, image, and likeness deals. I like that. I do. I like the hire. I, I was looking at our UCLA thread this morning and kind of mixed sentiments. I mean, I, I don't know who people thought we were going to get. Chip Kelly walked away from our fucking team. I went over that yesterday. Oh, this is bad. It makes no sense. You're leaving a head coaching position in LA and you're going to take the offensive coordinator position in buttfuck Ohio. No, thank you. Not interested. He's out of his mind. Uh, this is a dream come true. Foster said in a statement, I've always envisioned being at Bruin ever since I was young and now being a head coach and my mom waters a surreal, surreal feeling. I'm grateful for this opportunity. The foundation of this program will be built on discipline, respect, and enthusiasm. I love that. Foster was also overwhelming choice of the current players that matters who believe in him as a 
connector and a leader source said the players went crazy upon hearing the news in a team meeting Monday morning. According to sources, Foster's worked under coaches Cliff Klingsbury, Jim Mora, and Chip Kelly. And he played in a Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers under John Fox. UCLA sees him as a modern CEO coach who can identify and develop players. I think that's a good way to look at a coach right now. Like a CEO, right? He doesn't have one big specific task other than going out there and recruiting, raising money. Uh, I think the coordinators are huge. I mean, that's, that's who runs your team. So let's make sure we have the right offensive and defensive coordinator put in place going forward. Uh, we look, we are looking for a coach with integrity, energy, and passion. Someone who is a great teacher who develops young men is a great recruiter and fully embraces the NIL landscape to help our student athletes. Athletic director Martin Jarman said in a statement, Deshaun checks all of those boxes and some. He is a leader of men in a true Bruin. Foster replaces Kelly, who left to become the offensive coordinator at Ohio State last week. UCLA cast a wide net uh, in its search, but the Bruins ultimately decided to go with a coach who has extensive local experience and has built a lot of credibility in the program and on campus. Foster has been a standout assistant coach at UCLA as his running back room has consistently produced NFL tailbacks. A Bruins tailback has been picked in the past four NFL drafts. That's hard to do. The list features Zach Chardonnay. He's a bad motherfucker. Britton Brown. Demetric Felton Jr. And Joshua Kelly. So every single year they've got a guy drafted. Uh, Foster spent a decade in various roles on the UCLA staff, including running back coach from 2017 through this year. He's also one of the school's biggest stars. That is true. He was a dude. As a Bruin tailback, he ran for, let's see here, 44 touchdowns, 3,194 yards, and earned second-team All-American honors. In 2001, his playing career in the NFL was spent with the Panthers. 2002 to 2007, and the Niners in 2008. With the Panthers, he scored a touchdown in Super Bowl, let's see here, 38? Shit, about 20 years ago. So, Deshaun Foster is your new head coach at UCLA. All right. The last thing for today the always rowdy waste management Phoenix Open may have been too much this year. What? Are you serious? I was there. Now, I wasn't there for all the shenanigans, but I was just telling somebody how awesome of an experience that that was. And you don't necessarily say that about every PGA event. I've been to the Masters. The Masters was cool. But the Masters wasn't like the 16th hole. So there were a lot of things that went down there. And when you got to Saturday. Now I was there Thursday. You got to Saturday. I guess shit was out of control. I got a buddy of mine. His kid was here. Rhett LaRocca. And he was telling me that. There was like a hundred members of their fraternity. That went down and dressed as bananas in the front row and I, I mean they had the time of their lives but sure with that atmosphere is going to come a little bit of chaos but you've got to expect 
the chaos. Well, apparently some of the golfers were getting pissed and there was altercations with some of the guys in the stands. And I, I don't know. I, I golfers aren't used to being fucking hazed, but go ahead and step on the gridiron, step on a baseball field, step onto a basketball court. And that's the reality of professional sports. So if you're getting buried, you just wear it. You don't get in an altercation with these guys. Basketball, I feel like there's more altercations between fans and players because it's so up close and personal. Well, this is sort of up close and personal too. I mean, you're right there with the golfers. Now, most of the guys who are super, super rowdy were the ones that were sitting in the grandstand. Regardless, the PGA is now going to review this and try to figure out what to do with it going forward because God forbid the players or certain players don't show up. Guess what? Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody even knows who the gosh damn players are. Ricky Fowler was the biggest name fucking there. When there's no Tiger Woods and there's no Rory. Like, look. The PGA is on this high horse. You guys were put out of business by Liv. It was heading that direction. And so now here you are going, we got a massive problem at the one event that actually generates some fucking excitement that's not named the Masters or the U.S. Open. And even with those, you don't have a 16th hole there. So what's the solution? Just more security. Try to keep everyone in line. Get all the drunk assholes freaking out of there. And when they start stumbling over themselves and puking on themselves and taking a piss in the bush, you just fucking get them out of there. That's it. You got to score them out. I just say, look, this article here, it struck a nerve a little bit. So it says the Waste Management Open has uh, for years been known as a party first, golf second atmosphere. The par 360th hole is the epitome of the rowdy as a crowd of 20,000 fans surround the short hole and players are booed and cheered unlike anywhere else. So that was the beauty of it is that these guys are missing greens and when they do, they get fucking booed. But guess what? When you're Ricky Fowler and you're wearing your NASCAR shirt, that's a whole other subject. I love it. I love the fact that Ricky Fowler's out there looking like a fucking billboard. So he's having a shit tournament, but he pumps up the crowd, sticks a ball like eight feet, and then drills the pot. The, cra- the place goes crazy. That's what matters. Like, it's it's not about – I guarantee you go back years. Nobody can tell you who won the fucking Phoenix Open. Nobody. No idea. No clue. They're not there for the golf. They're there for the party. They might as well just have like, hey, anyone can buy a ticket and go and take shots off the 16th. They probably do just as well. Serious. You can't run from that. You 1,000% got to embrace it. I got to believe that Thunderbirds who put that tournament on, they're embracing it. I, I, I got to think that they feel the same way I do. Now, PGA legitimizes it. And that's, that's cool. So they don't want to burn that bridge. But what this has become is something that is pretty special. It says a crowd of some 20,000 fans surround the short hole. 
Uh, yeah, no golf tournament draws like the one at TPC Scottsdale. Crowds of 200,000 on Saturday. 200,000. I mean, this is a NASCAR race. That's the only thing that gets nearly as many. But at the risk of perhaps a few poorly behaved souls ruining it for the rest, you have to wonder if things have gone too far. Two years ago, a hole-in-one brought such a bevy of tossed beer cans onto the green in celebration that the tournament needed some 10 minutes to clean up the mess. Oh, 10 minutes. We had to stop the tournament because a hole-in-one incurred and these crazy motherfuckers in the stands got wild and decided they wanted to throw their beer cans up into the air and their hats onto the green because they were pumped. That's stupid. You're going to complain about that? Why? If you're a golfer, if you're a PGA official, if you're anybody involved in that situation, this is good for the game. Wake the fuck up before this is no longer a sport. Think about that. That is its glory. That's the best thing you could hope for. And if some dudes are throwing beer cans up in the air that are landing on the green, who gives a shit? You could delay attorney 10 minutes. 10 fucking minutes. That's it. 10 minutes. If a guy hits a hole in one. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, keep going with this article. All right. So it says, too, here. When mild-mannered. All right. It says steps have been taken to limit that sort of outburst. Oh, shut the fuck up. This article is disgusting. Other issues continue to surface in addition to the common theme of excessive drunkenness that has been apparent for years. I mean, what do you think they're doing out there? And uh, excessive drunkenness? What's this? If you're drunk, you're drunk. Excessive? When mild-mannered Zach Johnson goes to the gallery rope line to confront unruly fans, you know something is amiss. Why... Would you even confront them, though? That's not your job as a golfer. Your job's to play golf. And I saw these guys up close and personal. It's not, you know, a few of them would interact with the fans, but they're on a mission. And I don't blame it. I'm trying to think what I would be like if I was there. And I think I actually would be like Ricky Fowler, wearing a NASCAR shirt and pumping the crowd up and having as much fun as possible but these other guys are all business yeah this matters man they're playing for a shit ton of money and this is their livelihood and a lot of these guys are you know they're just playing to stay on the tour well it says billy horschel lost his cool as well on saturday things got out of hand that the tournament officials stopped the afternoon admissions and they halted beer sales because the crowds had become too big and in some cases unruly okay Give me the specific incidences. I like the halt the beer sales. That's fine. You want to go there? We the halt halt the beer sales. That's it. And if there's too many, the crowd's too big. Well, you're selling too many fucking tickets. I I, just, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Uh, it says now to be clear, the players of PGA Tour and certainly the tournament have embraced this type of scene for years. Most of the players enjoy the banter. Having a huge crowd at a golf tournament is a huge deal and comes across great on TV. But when is enough enough? 
the week produced numerous displays that went viral that included boorish behavior, fighting, drunkenness, public urination. They got a ton of porta potties there. I mean, that's was there somewhere out the porta potty. The lines must have been big. So bring more porta potties. And then the fans perhaps going overboard in response to the players. Well, all of it raises concerns. A player part could have the biggest impact. All along, players have grumbled about some of the stuff that goes on at TPC Scottsdale, feeling at times that it has crossed the line. But when their frustration is unleashed publicly, that's not a good sign. It means players might skip the event going forward. Oh, no. Don't you dare. And what has been viewed as a good thing becomes a negative. Nobody wants to be the no fun police here. No, not really. The waste management is a unique tournament, a unique environment. It raises millions for charity. It embraces playing on Super Bowl weekend. And usually it presents some great weather for people in other locales to watch on television and presents a terrific vibe. But how do you keep what's great for the masses while curbing the minority that seem to be hurting it? That is the dilemma. It's not a dilemma. It's really, really fucking simple. More security. There wasn't a lot of security there. Not at all. Like, even the spot that we went to, which is, like, this VIP section on 16, I don't know. I was a guy and a girl, and I had a wristband, and you're good. Everything was fine. Sweet. Well, if all your problems are happening in the grandstands, just line the grandstands with officers. That's it. And typically, when you deal with the unruly, in a fun, jokey, sort of unruly way, then it's fine. Now, if you're up there trying to look for every little thing, uh, it could be a lot. I think you need to set parameters. And so long as the crowd stays within these parameters, great. But if you have some drunk asshole talking all kinds of shit and being just obnoxiously profane... You fucking kick him out of there. But you know what happens when that goes down? Then everybody's sitting around him and all his buddies are like, shit, dude, I better be careful. Whether it's throwing something or saying something, whatever, then you're like, I don't want to get kicked out. My buddy's freaking already been escorted outside the gates and he ain't coming back in. So, look, PGA, don't be bitches. Wake the fuck up. This tournament is great. Great. Great for golf. And you cannot screw this up. Thunderbirds, we'll figure it out. Waste management, figure it out. Like it's great tournament, long standing, long standing. Say, I mean, I I had to go back and show biscuit the hole in one from Tiger Woods. I I, I still haven't done it because I was trying to explain what the sixteenth hole was like. And I love how everyone dresses up. I I just think it's so cool, so so cool. All right, well. Happy uh, baseball season. Happy pickleball season. We'll be getting into Major League Baseball. Will the Thrill and I tomorrow night. Deuces Wild is back. We will be previewing the upcoming season, going over all the remaining free agents. And I don't know, maybe rip open this wax pack of Donruss baseball cards, 1989.
Everyone have a terrific day. Let's see here. I didn't even hit the chat. JD. Oh, Henry Markin, you motherfucker. All right. I will let you in now. I just saw you here, dude. Let's see, man. And here we go. This is the beauty of No Filter Network. If Hank still happens to be there, we will find out. I'll give him 30 seconds. Yes, he is. Oh, good morning. Dude, didn't even see you there, man. I get, I get so locked in talking to myself. and It's okay, man. It's okay. As you know, I've, uh, I've been through worse in the past 12 hours. So, What went down? Dude, like, number one, where were you? So I was in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl listeners, and I did not go to the game. I, I was in the Mandalay Bay Casino, pretty much in the heart of the sports book in that general area. And for three and a half quarters, three and almost three and a half quarters, it was pretty much a breeding ground for some of the greatest moments of my, my life. I mean, it's a, it's a, a being in the casinos during a Super Bowl where a Super Bowl is being hosted in Vegas. That's like a, that's every gambler's wet dream. And especially if your team is winning and on track to win the Super Bowl. Ugh. So where did it all go wrong? And I'm looking here in the chat. I love it because John Davis our friend out there in Collierville, Tennessee says, how was Vegas? And your response to JD was disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about right. Um, you know, I had a lot of emotions last night. You didn't really, couldn't really come to grasp with just one. It just kind of was a melting pot in my head. And ultimately I was just numb to it all. But this morning and after reading you know, after the fact, you look at the game and you see what how it got to overtime and the different strategies in overtime. It went wrong because Kyle Shanahan just isn't that guy. He just isn't. He just isn't. You know, like at some point, you kind of can't shake away the twenty-eight to three or blowing two different double-digit double-digit leads in the Super Bowl as a head coach. You're playing in overtime and not one person on the entire 49ers team knows the correct rules of overtime in the playoffs. Yet everybody on the Chiefs down to the last backup D tackle understood. Yeah, it's kind of like college. You don't want to start. You want to you want to start second. And we won the toss and Kyle's like absolutely accept so we can have the ball for the third possession. Like what? What? I, I, dude, Hank, I like that argument. You have to assume if you're the Niners, if you go down, you have the confidence that your team's going to score a touchdown. If you don't score a touchdown, you're going to get a field goal. They get the field goal. Then at that point, you have got to assume that your defense can fucking keep them out of the end zone. And if you can't, you don't deserve to win the Super Bowl. Well, uh, if that was the case, then we should have just laid on our fucking backs in the third quarter because there was no telling that Coach Wilkes, 
had a pulse in the second half and could stop Patrick Mahomes. There was multiple times that Shanahan had to call either a timeout or run over and switch up the zones because just an absolute dog shit display of scheme was about to unfold. A couple of times we saw it. Um, I, 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 I'm, you know, I, I think, I think there's a lot of inconsistency. Like you saw in regulation when they had an opportunity to take some points and they went for and fourth down. And that was, that was them saying, we want, we're going to outball you today. We're going to pull a Dan Campbell and we're going to beat you with our fucking balls. And they went for it on fourth and two, fourth and three. They, they got, got killed it. the ball and then they ultimately scored. Right. That yeah. to me is like, no, Shanahan is going to go down with his balls and that's sick. But then that strategy completely just disintegrated into nothingness in overtime because it's it's not like as soon as you're playing, you know, after you already accepted, after you foolishly accepted to receive, someone probably told him, hey, by the way, you have to win after both teams have a chance to score. So he knows that the Chiefs are going to get the ball back and they're probably going to fucking score because Patrick Mahomes is going to score. So at that point, you're only delaying the inevitable. Because your defense has shown no, no chance of stopping him in the second half. Not while Steve Wilkes, I guess he had like some <laughs> creatine and crack cocktail at the halftime break while he's watching Usher. Just, <laughs> there's nothing. There was, there was no, like the, the, the strategy was very inconsistent. It was like, he fucked up. They should have definitely deferred. And like, if Mahomes goes out and scores, by the way, they score first. Then here's the other thing. Go like put it all in, score a touchdown in the next possession. If you don't, too bad. You lost to Mahomes because you scored first. If you score, you go for two and you win the game right there, or you lose the game. You 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 open the door to so many possibilities of beating Patrick Mahomes by deferring, and they did not. And and in the press conferences, I'll stand by the decision. No, no, don't stand by the, the, the fact that you fucked up. And that there's a job opening at the San Francisco Zoo to scoop up camel shit, and you should take it because this is the third Super Bowl that you've openly had diarrhea run down your leg after having multiple leads because you simply fucked up. I respectfully disagree with you. I do see your point, and I even love the fact that if you get the ball second, you know you're playing with four downs. Right. So when you get to that third and four and the Niners had fourth and four at whatever yard line it was before they kicked the field goal, right? That 28 yarder. So if you know, you have to score a touchdown in that situation, well, you're obviously playing that as two down territory. I see the argument there. If I think I have the better football team, which I believe Kyle Shanahan felt he had the better football team. Then I 1000% can see how and why a coach would say, give me the football. Let's establish what we're going to do, touchdown, or end up kicking a field. Now, something really interesting was, because you just brought this up, was Andy Reid well versus players Uh in overtime rules. And then even went so far as to say, if the Niners come down and score a touchdown, and then kick the extra point, and we then come down and score a touchdown, we're going for two. No shit, because that's what you're that's the move. I mean, it seems like everybody in the book, everybody on earth knew 
these overtime rules. I'm sorry there there was a tweet that maybe Schefter put out that Shanahan must have missed. Like, well, here's the deal. You have you have How did he not know? I got it. And I, I get it now. You you definitely you go for two because you can't give the ball back to him because although no. he's a field goal. Yes. Yes. Like, like oh. it's like I was bewildered. We're in the book. And, and like, we won the toss and I'm like, oh my God, this is perfect. This is perfect. And I see the ref then point to us and it's this signal of we'll receive. And I'm going, no, it's gotta be a mistake. Like they're, they fucked up. The ref fucked up. Why Shanahan's not that dumb. That's ridiculous. You're kicking. And sure enough, there goes Harrison Bucker trotting off. Happy as a clam has an erection. Cause he's like, we're going to win the fucking game. And that's it. We and by, and by the way, we almost had we not been gifted a, a a a pass interference call. Which, by the way, it now that I've received one as a fan, it sucks. I don't it, like if we would have won the game because they extended our shitty drive with a maybe he got pi'd and held, kind of like how last year's Super Bowl with the Bradbury and the you know Juju. Oh, dude, no, 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 I, dude, that was that was that was holding. It was beyond five yards, and he fucking wrapped his arm around him. I, at first, it, I was with you. Bro, I was very look. I was very neutral in how I would sat there and watch the game. I, I'm not blinded by my 49ers fandom. I'm just not. I, and and I looking at that play, that was a pass interference or a whole defensive holding is what it was. Automatic sure, first. Time. Sure. My point is. My point is it, that the fact we're even talking right now about this kick and the fact that like none of that even matters unless you know that that drive is extended because of just how shitty the play calling was and the the, the level of competency like it everything just went to hell and um I, I i'm i know i'm like very pissed right now and i didn't feel much last night partially because i'm driving back from vegas i'm somewhat brain dead from two days relatively oh. no sleep and just you know having a kick-ass time but it like I'm I may be overstepping right now because you're probably going to ruin the plan of John Lynch's and Shanahan's combined synergy and their vision for the team. But it like there are plenty of good offensive minds in the NFL. The, the Lions' offensive coordinator is a fucking genius. Give me somebody who with, with just as much like Sean McVay has a Super Bowl. Sean McVay has a Super Bowl. Shanahan has lost three. Okay, I'm gonna I don't know how much more I can physically take as a fan. I don't know how much I got left in the tank to go 27 weeks to just poop my pants three times because it's so hard to get there. Everything has to work out. The pieces have to fold perfectly. There is no, we'll be back next year. We don't know what next year is. Ayuk could be a New York giant. Nick Bosa could blow up his ankle playing some <laughs> pickleball thing with you this offseason in North star. And we don't know. We don't. This was their shot. You had Patrick Mahomes pinned for three quarters and you got soft and then you got stupid. And now I got fucking depression. So, yeah. So I ran into a guy in the airport a few weeks ago when I was coming home from Cabo. And he had this sick 49er. It was a bag. It just. I, Kind of this leather 49. This kind of looked old school. It's badass. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So I just, you know, walked by and it's like, go Niners, baby. He's like, yeah, man. And then we got to talking. 
And he goes, hopefully they won't break my heart again. I go, what are you talking about? Like, I've lived through six fucking Super Bowls. Like, break your heart. Are you, are you serious? He goes, none of those have happened when I've been alive. It was a young kid. It was like your age. Yeah. And I started thinking about it. And I go, holy shit, man. Uh-huh. Because we are now going back to the, what, 94 season? 95 Super Bowl? My dad was in college. I was a dirty thought, an, a vision perhaps, not existing. I haven't seen shit. All I know is heartbreak and failure. Yeah. And and by the way, you guys and your banners and your rings and your golden years with Montana and Young, like I can only hear the tale of that. All I know is just fucking madness and sadness. I know we like to talk shit about the Cowboys a lot on our platform. We love to make fun of the Cowboys. We're the same fucking thing. We're the, we, I hate to say it, 49ers fans and Cowboys fans, we both have nothing to show since the 90s. Both of us every year think this is our year. The Cowboys are hilariously blinded by how bad their organization is, you know, top to bottom. But at the end of the day, we're the same fucking thing. We, we get our face paint on. We go have a great fucking offseason. Oh, this is our year. Then we get the drums going. Here we go, boys. We have a playoff run. Maybe theirs ends weeks before ours. But at the end of the day, somebody else hoists that Lombardi trophy in the air. And all we're doing is breaking our fucking TVs. So I have to apologize to Cowboys fans because I'm making fun of myself. Every time I do that, we're just one and the same. I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. It must be awful. To hear this from me this late, but but dude, they've been to the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter. I don't who two cares. Two out of the last three years. They've been to the NFC championship game like four out of the past fucking five years. Great. This and team is entertaining you thoroughly year until, in and year out. And they've done this without up until Brock Purdy, a franchise type quarterback, like he is. And look, if you give Purdy time, he's as good as anybody. You put pressure on Purdy, he becomes Mr. Irrelevant. He does. Yeah, yeah. But you can't that that goes for any great quarterback. It really, it really does. Is that he can't have that heat on him. That pass play on that third and four, Chris Jones was in his fucking face. I mean, all just, I know is it, it sure, was just yeah. like that. We we could draw this up and we can we can create all the different reasons that sure I benefited from them getting us to January and February. Fine. Uh, all I'm gonna say is me and the Chicago Bears fans right now think about the Super Bowl the exact same way. It's just not ours to get. That's like we just don't have it. I'm I'm just I'm getting tired of thinking we're above these other teams. We're above fucking Dallas. We're certainly above the guys that we beat in our, our conference when we're really not. We're just like everybody else. No, you're not. Dude, the Chicago sucked ass. Dallas has been fucking awful. I, they, they, look, you're not like the Niners fans. Like They're not like them. And, and the Niners organization is one of the most well-run organizations top to bottom. Now, I will Say this because I did read something 
about the fact that they don't have a game manager on staff. No shit. I mean, that's an issue, dude. Uh, in this day and age, even if you want to tell the game manager go fuck himself in the heat of the moment, you still want him there giving you the options. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to tell him to go kick a rock and go, go hang out with Swifty, at least he said his two cents. At least the thought is there. So then Shanahan can double down on his stupidity. But the fact is there was no one to safeguard. There was no safety net. There was no veto of anything. It's we'll accept the fucking kick. Jesus. God. I, ah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I thought it was okay I, last night because I thought the same thing. Like, it was great to be here. Here Good to be back. What a, what a great team every year. We're always competing for this. Now I'm pissed. It, it's just because it's it's like if this is if this is just going to become the reality. That's if like let's say we do we rally the troops again next year. We're, we're, Kittle signs it. You know we got Kittle back. Everyone I think he's under contract, but the big guys that are supposed to leave or could be leaving, they all come back. We go play fucking Joe Burrow or somebody in the Super Bowl, and we're winning by ten. Eight minutes left. We get soft and we lose. What then? I mean, how, burn the ships. Go up the city. What do you do? <sighs> I don't know. I don't have the bandwidth for this. How much of this is Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, it's a yeah, but he did great. And I'm I'm but I'll give him his flowers for sure. But, like, he only had 330 yards, uh, what, for, like, almost 50 passing attempts? And uh, the first half, that could have easily been confused with a Nick Foles first half. We had a perfect game plan up until when it mattered. I don't think it's – like, you saw Patrick Mahomes throw that interception. That's not like, oh, is that part of his plan? I need to fire my boys up. Like, it's not like he played that great. He had, he had a few massive runs that converted – that we give him way too much credit for because uh, the scheme was just schematically fucked. Um, and yeah, he did great. I, I see that it's like, if you look at the race to Brady, yeah, he's he's more than on pace to beat out Brady. But at the end of the day, maybe Shanahan is just the reason these guys are so fucking good. I mean, if Shanahan could coach a goddamn game, Brady wouldn't have that one against Atlanta. Uh, Shanahan would have wiped away two of Mahomes' three rings. I think, yeah, Shanahan is the reason why Brady got one and why Mahomes has two, three. Yeah, the, the, Mahomes and Brady should both write Shanahan a letter saying thank you. Thank your, you for your thoughts on the first six play calls of the second half being passes for the 49ers. What the hell is wrong with us? What? Why would we? Why would we not give the best player in football a carry? You have the lead. Time is your friend. Let's run it down. Agree. And and then it was a crazy thought to everyone on that staff. Wait a second. We haven't gotten one first down, and the quarter's almost over. Maybe we should go back and start running the ball. No shit. 
After the game, videos began surfacing of fans reacting poorly after Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes found Hardman in the end zone for the win. Destruction ensued. Fights were broken up. Guests at watch parties were left in stunned silence. Some televisions didn't survive the night, instead becoming casualties to the raw pain of disappointed fans. Bro, I got to tell you, as a 49ers fan growing up, we just didn't experience that. We were celebrating and spraying champagne and hugs and high fives, and the world was right with Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and eventually, you know, Seifert and Young. But my goodness, what Mm -hmm. the fuck has happened to the 49er fan base? They're losing their shit. You get to drink champagne in the spotlight. We're drinking whiskey in the dark, man. It's an absolute tragedy what has happened to this organization. It's night and day. Go the back to 2011. The organization is in fucking great health, man. 2011. I, look, I 2011. Think Kyle Shanahan, I'm not getting rid of Kyle Shanahan either. I think he's brilliant. I do believe that you need to get him a game manager. And I do think that... You know, life's better with checks and balances. So if you're on, you know, the fourth fucking fifth fucking pass play in a row in the second half, like who's saying, yo, dude, give the ball to Christian McCaffrey and let him do his thing. Even when he got stuffed, he was getting stuffed for like two yards, three yards, right? He was still getting something Mm -hmm. and he was fighting Mm -hmm. his ass off out there. That was how I thought the Niners were going to win that football game. Well, they said even before that they wanted to get McCaffrey 20-something touches or at least run the ball 25 times. You know, they got Mitchell into the mix. It was on. Well, apparently not because, you know, it didn't work out. That all said, I'm not willing to burn the fucking boats like you are. There's a great organization. I, regardless of what you see, you know, what other people say about Levi, I'm, I'm a stick enthusiast, right? I miss Candlestick Park, but Me too. I think Levi Stadium's great. I feel like the atmosphere is coming around. This is look, it's a good time to be a Niner fan. They're going to the fucking NFC Championship every gosh damn year. This is okay, but yeah, at some point mm-hmm. you're gonna want to win the big one, mm-hmm. and you figure out what you have to do going forward to make that happen. Let me ask you a question as both a Niner fan and as a current Bills fan. Yeah. As a guy that has seen, you know, the the repetitive we're here and the repetitive losses. I mean, you saw four in a row. I know. How many years does that weigh on you after? Like, like what kind of hole do you get cursed into after doing something like that? Because that's where I'm fearful. That's where I think we're headed. So I like to think of myself as an optimist. And with that, I look at those four Super Bowls back in the day. And I thought how cool of an opportunity it was to watch the Bills win four AFC championships. At the time, they were arguably the most entertaining, every single year, the most entertaining team in football. They had that running gun offense going with Jim Kelly and Andre Risen and Andre Reed and Thurman Thomas. And it just was electric, man. Cornelius Bennett and 
Bruce Smith on the defensive side of the football. And then you had like the Mark Kelso's and the, and the Steve Taskers. And it's just, they were complete teams that were so fun to watch. And, you know, unfortunately they never got one. Now what really hurt as a Bills fan is when we stopped talking about them. When mm-hmm. we went 20 years and quite frankly, it, it was depressing because they were no longer fucking relevant. Oh, yeah. Niners are relevant. Now, I yep. will say this because since Josh Allen came in to the league and given us, you know, all kinds of hope every single season, I, my guys in Buffalo take it hard. Like this, this last one, when you, you finally got the Chiefs at home, there's a team you've already beaten, and this is it. Like, this is your shot. Now, I think they were going to be up against it had they had to go into Baltimore, but. Who knows, right? Obviously, the Chiefs went in there and took care of business. I don't know if the Bills' defense just—they just had too many injuries. I mean, they had all their linebackers were hurt and everything else. So, but I—I I will tell you that Pat O'Connell is one of my best friends, the bricklayer up in Buffalo, New York, and he coaches hockey. And Pat, every single year when the Bills are eliminated, just goes fucking dark dark and i'm i'm not talking days i'm talking weeks and eventually he'll come out of it he comes out of it after the super bowl and he plans a trip to scottsdale he wants to get out of the fucking cold and get into the sunshine and go you know do it he's been single for all these years go run some arizona ass i he comes out of it but it 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 lingers and i i almost feel like it's it's getting longer too and and as, as the expectations and the hopes and everything increase well that coming out of it period increases as well. So it doesn't bode well for you Hank, oh, as yeah. a diehard 49er fan. I think this is going to take a little bit to get over. Thanks for the forecast. I cannot wait for what is to come. Mm, that's it for me. You can kick me off now. I'm going to go just have a bottle of scotch. This is almost a two hour daily hustle. Really good shit, though, man. I the waste management open stuff. I I don't. I just want to get your quick comments on this because the PGA basically has come out and they're you know they, they dealt with some issues over the weekend on Saturday. Two hundred thousand people at the Phoenix Open. Obviously, everyone gets dressed up. They go party. They do their thing, and they were bitching about you know, the players and I imagine the PGA itself about it being too rowdy. I, I, I know I'm looking at this Hank and I'm thinking to myself, what other tournament like PGA tournament would you ever fucking consider going to like the, this event, I, you could put this on par with a U.S. Open or a masters. I was literally going to say, this is like, if I'm not going to the masters, I want to go to the WM. It's the no. most it's the most electric, probably the most electric event in all of sports, just as far as like the like culture goes. Like what like the unwritten rules of that event, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, you people are throwing like frozen fish and octopus and squid at hockey games. Like, cool. You're talking about if someone gets a hole in one, that place erupts and it becomes a rock concert. Yeah, in, in, as it in, should. 
in a game that has not even an iota in that direction of rock and roll. It, it, you, the, the game needs this energy. You need this once a year Vegas trip like event. And if you don't, I think you said it. I think I caught you right as you were going on this rant. I told yeah. you, then the game will no longer exist. Or at least the PGA won't exist because all the good guys are going to LIV. So it's 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 crazy that at this moment, and I again just more security. But we'll go back and we'll have fun with the real on, on this one. I, yeah. Then the the Chip Kelly stuff from yesterday. I I didn't even see that. I was just so locked in. My I mean, was, I'm, I'm I'm sure we got to yeah. we we got we got we got some good stuff. We'll be able to put together yeah. over the next few days. So if you haven't caught this program or the past couple days in its entirety. I think there's some really good viewpoints that we've been able to, uh, able to share. All right, to go, uh, go drown yourself in your sorrows and tears. And you know, I look, I, as, I, as a great Taylor Swift would say, I mean, we shake it off, Hank. There's no way you just said that. Shake it off. And there he goes. All right, everybody else. Have a fantastic day. We'll be back at you tomorrow. Another daily hustle. A deuce is wild. What a great time of year. Uh, We're going to get into some baseball talk for sure. Just reintroduce ourselves to that sport. As everything has been all over the Super Bowl. And the NFL. Uh, Linda, thank you for joining as well. Amo, they're in Chattanooga. What's up, dude? If you want to join live, by the way, uh, we record each morning, sometimes between 8 and noon, on nofilter.net. You can get interactive. You come on screen like Henry just did right there. If you're listening to Apple, Spotify, anywhere else, uh, if you could leave a review, Leave us five stars if you're feeling generous. We'd greatly appreciate it. All of the feedback matters. And lastly here, don't forget, go pick up your copy of Let Them Play, a parenting and coaching guide to youth sports. Uh, 